everything was restored over a weekend and it only took me five days <laughs> over a weekend in five <laughs> days <laughs> you could restore it all Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I have with me my personal financial advisor, Persona Maliani. How's it going, Persona? I'm good, Curtis. What advice have I been giving you? Well, you know, I was talking to you about that, yeah, that yeah. loan that yeah, I was yeah. thinking about doing, and yeah. you've been advising me, you know, th- there's this idea that I have of, of doing a loan to a friend, and it's a large enough that um, I was like, what do you think, Persona? And you, you know, you gave me advice on moving forward, but doing all of the right things. Yep. And and I was really surprised. At some point, I I really expected you to say, "Well, you know, I was watching this YouTube video on, <laughs> on, on personal personal loan administration." And, so and unfortunately, this is what this guy said. So I don't watch YouTube videos on personal finance, but I do read mm-hmm. a forum on personal finance. So. See again, again. I, you just you're just a random fount of knowledge of random topics, and once again, uh, your knowledge came in uh, came in handy. So glad I could help. Always, Curtis. That's what I'm here. It's always good. And by the way, welcome back to the United States, having left it for a brief period of time. It is good to be back. I have to say. So I did do a long flight to India for a very short trip and made a long flight back. <laughs> What's a long flight? Uh, so I think flying time was about 26 hours, but door to door was probably closer to like 34, 35 hours. Wow. Yeah. That's just, I, I've done, I've, I've flown to India, but I don't, I don't think, I don't remember. I, I just remember it was really long. Yeah. It's long. And, <laughs> it, was a, it was a, yeah. And especially it's now long. with the pandemic, right? They require yeah. masks on the plane the entire time, minus right. when you're eating right. or drinking. So literally, and even when you're eating and drinking, they're like, oh, take your mask off in between bites and sips, put your mask back on. Oh, they're very, they're very, um, what, what, Cautious. what, I don't know what the word is. Yeah. 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 And so it was a little bit of a hassle, like, you take a bite. It's like instead of taking a bite and chewing, I would literally take three bites and then put the mask on and then sit there and chew and then right. swallow and then be like, okay, next time. And I and you I took a out. COVID test on the way out, another COVID test on the way in, and then another COVID test after we got back. So right, all right. good to go. So everything yeah. was fine, but it is a little bit of a hassle. But at least yeah. travel is returning back to some form of normal, I guess. Yeah, and you <laughs> and you have your wife back. Yep. My wife came back with me as well, so it's good to be she's both been, back. She's been gone for a while, yeah, visiting family and stuff. Yeah, visiting family. And we were in India for Diwali, which if anyone, that's my first time I've ever been in India for Diwali. And I have to say it is crazy with the amount of fireworks <laughs> going on. Like it's More sounds, than July 4th here? Yes, more than July 4th because it happened over seven days. And for the seven days, it would be from like 4 p.m. till 11 p.m. And it's not wow. just like the little sparklers that you might do here or even just like the little rockets. They sounded like full on like Roman candles and like loud gunshots. I think you and I were on a call a couple times and you heard yeah. a little noise in the background. You're like, what is I like, that? What? 
what is happening? And the skies, there? like I, I was reading an article, I think at NPR where they were saying that they had like a picture before and a picture after of like the sky after fireworks. And it's just like clear to completely covered in smoke. <laughs> That's crazy. But it's good to be back. Yeah. Good to and have I you back. Oh, uh, well, it's nice to be on the same. Likewise. Time zone, you know? <laughs> yeah, it is nice to be in the same time zone. Uh, by the way, I should mention our standard disclaimer. Persona and I work for different companies. He works for Zoom. I work for Druva. This is not a podcast of either company. The opinions that you hear are ours. And also, uh, please rate this podcast at ratethispodcast.com slash restore and, uh, or your favorite podcatcher if, if it's not listed there. And uh, finally, if you are interested in the topics that come, we talk come, come, about. Come, 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 come. Yeah, just like Paul. Just uh, contact me at W. Curtis Preston at gmail.com or at WC Preston on Twitter. And uh, we will have you on. It's a friendly environment, right, Paul? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Everybody should come. And uh, right. we love to talk about all things, uh, backup, security, data protection, data resilience, uh, you know, puppies, whatever. Um, I like puppies and movies. I also want to mention our giveaway. We are giving away one free ebook version of my new book, Modern Data Protection, published in May, courtesy of O'Reilly and Associates. All you have to do to qualify for the drawing is to subscribe to our newsletter on backupcentral.com. Just it's right there in the top menu. Subscribe and in the following week I will select one new listener to receive a free ebook copy. So our, I've selected the winner from this week, and your name is John Doherty. Congratulations. You'll get an email from me and another one from O'Reilly with your ebook. So back to the podcast. So our, our next guest is from a part of America that is connected but not connected. <laughs> he has been uh, in IT for quite some time, just just about as long as I have, uh, short of just short of thirty years, it looks like. And he's actually this is actually this is the second time we've had this. He's had one job <laughs> that entire time. He has been at the uh, he is the IT supervisor at the Kodiak Island Borough. That would be Kodiak, Alaska. He's two hours, or no, he's one hour behind us. Welcome to the podcast, Paul Van Dyke. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. So uh, how, how did we find you, Paul? I have followed you on Twitter for um, a number of, uh, for a, a, quite some time, and uh, enjoy listening to your podcast uh, when I when I have some free time and, and space. And uh, <laughs> When it gets and, dark uh, and cold and you're indoors, something like that. <laughs> That's right. Listen to that. Listen to us by the fire. Yeah. So outside it, splitting yes. firewood, or you know, <laughs> any of these any of these Alaskan activities that I do. Yeah. And so then you you reached out to us, right, saying, "Hey, you know, because because we, we say this, right? We say, hey, if you have if you want to talk about our favorite topics, then come on, and we will bring you on. So we we are so happy to have like an actual IT practitioner." Um, you know, does this, I, I was about to say in the wild, but that really, that, 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 true. that leads a whole other, uh, you know, you know, that, that, that brings up a whole other connotation where you live. What, 
can you describe what, what it's like where you live? Because, you know, for those of us that live down here, we have these visions of what it's like to live in Alaska, and I have no idea, you know. So I will like. uh, I, I will not shatter the, the, the stereotype of interior Alaska where it is dark and cold all winter long. We mm-hmm. live on an island in the Gulf of Alaska. It is very similar to the Pacific Northwest, although okay. – Right now we're in the in the mid twenties with snow on the ground. We rarely uh, we rarely see single digits Fahrenheit. Um, it, we, we might see them for a week throughout the winter. Okay. Um, mostly we're in the twenties. We get above freezing and it will it will warm and, and thaw thaw and freeze throughout the winter on on occasion. So we don't we don't go into the deep freeze like interior Alaska. Or, and what about the what about the, the 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 sunlight aspect? We are affected by that um, in the around the solstice. We usually get dark probably three thirty or four in the afternoon, and it doesn't get light till nine nine thirty uh, in the morning. <laughs> but you don't have this period where you're where you're, you're dark twenty four by seven. Correct. Correct. That is, uh, that is Northern Alaska. Okay. Cause I, um, where was, well, well that's actually, where was Northern exposure set? Uh, that TV show. You remember that TV show? I do remember that. That was, that was more interior Alaska. I believe they okay. were trying to shoot around the, around the Fairbanks area or try to. Gotcha. Um, Cause I, I do remember that that was an episode where they had, you know, there's a period where they get, nothing but sun and then there's a period where they get nothing but night um so i was plot line so I, I know this is probably going to be my um inexperience or talking to people from alaska <laughs> <laughs> but like how do you get supplies and stuff like that like you said you live on an island and you live in alaska right <laughs> so everything is either uh, is either barged in or or flown in and uh, it's a 45-minute flight to Anchorage, the, the largest city in Alaska, out of Kodiak. Or, uh, or it's about a 10 to 13-hour ferry ride from Kodiak Whoa. to the mainland. I, I, That's I did not expect that part. 10 to 13-hour ferry ride. Correct. So how far are you from the mainland? Um. It's 250 miles from Kodiak okay. to Anchorage, wow. and then uh, and then I'm not sure what the uh, what the gap is between Kodiak and the mainland as far as the uh, the nautical miles that the ferry takes. Wow, that's far. <laughs> I did not expect that. <laughs> and what what is the island like from a you know what does it look like? Is it well? I'll just stop there. It you know it looks a lot like Ireland. Um, we okay. do have forests. We do have uh, we do have mountains. Uh, we have one glacier on the island. Uh, we do have a lot of uh, a lot of shrubbery, um, alder, flatland down on the southern end of the island. We're the second largest island in the U.S. right after the Hawaiian island. Wow! Wow! And how big is it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just live here. <laughs> Here's what I know, and that is that the state of Alaska is so much bigger than most people think it is because yes. of the, and I don't know, perhaps one of you know the 
the way that maps are done, there's a word for yeah. Projection. Do you know what the word is? The projection. Uh, yeah. That, well, it, it, it had. There's a. There's a. It's like a person's name. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it's a person's name. Mercator. Yeah. Is that what it is? It, it just has to do with there. There is a way of spreading out a global map onto a flat surface, and it's that style. And when you do it that way. Alaska looks a lot smaller than it than it actually is because Alaska is actually bigger than Texas, is my understanding, or similar size. I went size to college. Texas. I went to college in Texas, and before I went, my dad bought me a hat that said, "If you cut Alaska in half, Texas would be the third largest state." I didn't wear that hat on campus. <laughs> <laughs> is it really that big? It is. Is that? Wow. Yeah. See, I, I knew because it was big. I didn't realize like it was that bitty. big. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, and then. Because, because the, Alaska appears in the corner of most continental United States maps. Yeah. Like Hawaii. next to Hawaii. Exactly. Because it's far away. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Huh. Uh, I'm Googling Kodiak Island size, by the way, 12,000 square miles. How many people? There you go. Uh, we are uh, a little over 13,000 people right now. So, so it's, so it's a pretty rural, rural, I can't, that is a word I have trouble with. Rural. Rural, uh, (laughs) world. Okay. And so what do you have? We do have the world's largest Coast Guard base. We have a rocket launch facility. We have a, a thriving fishing industry and, um, and, you know, we have state government represented local government, um, and other other service industries in Kodiak. Well, if you have rockets and you have fish, I mean, that's really all you need. <laughs> Curse so, is like sold. So, right. t- so t- t- tell me. So, you work for the bureau, uh, the Island Bureau. What? Tell me what the IT environment is like, and what you know. What what do you what do you need it for? What do you you know? What does it look like, et cetera? We, we have a very small IT off, uh, IT shop. The, the, the borough is um, paramount or, or uh, akin to a county in most locations. Okay. And so um, you know, we have the functions of a county. We have an assessing department, a finance department, a clerk's office, an engineering facilities department, and a community development department. So um, our number one, our number one, and it's, it's sad uh, to, to, to put it in this context, but our number one goal is to assess properties and tax them and collect money to pay for our school district. Hey, uh, our school that's, district that's important. Is the, uh, is our school district is the number one expense. Tax revenue. Correct. And yeah. so then with that, we have, uh, we have other functions to support development of the community. And obviously the finance department ensures that everything is accounted for. Um, and then, so as an IT department, we support all these, all these functions. We, we do the, uh, the gambit from A to Z. Um, we have uh, a virtual infrastructure on site. We do a lot of things that are line of business applications to support the borough that are on site. And so we have a, we have an on-site data center. We do have some functionality in the cloud. We do use some of the cloud services that other people use, but a lot of these line of business applications require internal infrastructure. 
So mm. we have what? we have it. Go ahead. So we we have the we have infrastructure here to support um, all those things, and it and it needs to be backed up. It seems, given how far you are from the mainland, and probably given how far you are from any public cloud region, right? Where, I'm sure. Where would be the closest public cloud region? Do you know, or do you know? Um, I believe well, that there are some cl- some uh, public cloud providers in Alaska. Okay. I've heard that uh, some of the telecommunication companies have either partnered with Azure or AWS and have some some functionality hosted locally. Yeah, my guess is Equinix has some data centers out in Alaska okay. that some of the public clouds are probably using. One of the challenges that we have is Alaska is also known as the Ring of Fire. And so we are very <laughs> seismically active. In 2007, we, we got fiber optic communications to the island. But before that, we had satellite internet. So um, a lot of my early IT career, we were under satellite internet. And so we didn't feel comfortable uh, outsourcing or, 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 or cloud services were very new at that time anyway. But we right. felt like we were an island <laughs> and we had to have all of our resources on island. Now with better infrastructure and more reliable infrastructure, uh, we're able to to look at outsourcing. So when you had all your infrastructure back in 2007 on the island, how did you deal with like disaster recovery? Was there like, is there like another island like nearby that you? <laughs> that, that's a, that's a good question. Um, fortunately, we never had to do disaster recovery. <laughs> uh, although I, 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 I do have a story from 2001. Um, this was almost a disaster, but yeah, we'll uh, get, we'll get to that. Yeah. But, uh, but really we were, uh, we, we cataloged what we had and, and uh, we've, we, we just, we haven't had to do it, but we had a, uh, we had a, a plan in place that we would just acquire more hardware. Um, I also, as uh, as part of my job, I am also part of our emergency um, operations center and I'm the logistics section chief with our emergency operations center. So um you know, bringing in supplies to our community would mm-hmm. be something that I would be responsible for doing. Is that uh, is that a volunteer position or that's part of your job working for the borough? Uh, it is part of my job working for the borough. Okay. The borough and the city are jointly responsible for emergency response. So we have uh, a, a city government here in Kodiak as well. And they have uh, police department, fire department, and other, other resources. How many boroughs are on the island? There's just one borough, and okay. the borough covers Kodiak Island and a portion of the mainland across the Shelikoff Strait. Oh, weird! Interesting. <laughs> it is. Um, it's a. It's a function of the watershed that is on the mainland that drains into the Shelikoff Strait. For, I believe, as it was explained to me, for fisheries resources. So rivers and streams on that side are part of our borough. Um, for that makes sense. Fish habitat, right? As a as a fishing community, it, it it's important. It, it, uh, we have a vested interest <laughs> yeah. in it. Um, and yeah. By the way, I did check. There is an um, a U.S. Alaska region in AWS. So I have U.S. I have Central, Eastern, East Indiana, Pacific, and Alaska. So Alaska is its own uh, AWS um, 
region, according to a website that I just looked at. That's literally the extent of my research. But <laughs> Persona, do you know any different? I do not. Okay. All right. Yeah, it, it looks like it's its own region. So, um, so, so then the other thing I would have is in preparation for any kind of disaster, which I think, so what kind of disasters do you need to prepare for up there? Obviously fire, like a giant fire would be a problem. Do you have, you know, you, you don't have tornadoes or hurricanes or that sort of thing. Up Probably that have way, tsunamis. Right? Tsunamis. We- Tsunamis are, are one thing. We do have wind events. Um, no, we don't have hurricanes because they refused to call uh, the windy day last week a hurricane, even though it was blowing 70 miles an hour. <laughs> mm. I wonder if they have derechos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you hear our episode uh, about derechos? I don't think so I did. A, yeah, derecho is a land hurricane. It's a hurricane okay. that starts over land. And we had, you know, a guest on who was in the middle of a derecho with, and the thing is unlike a ocean hurricane, it just, it's more like a tornado in that it just happens. So he just, he just was on his porch. I think he was out on his yard or something, right? Yeah. He was out and then he grabbed the dog and ran back in, I think. Yeah. Do do you have the, yeah, it's episode number 126. Stop ransomware attacks in seconds with Greg Edwards. Right. Yeah. So it, you wouldn't know it from the title, but yeah, there we talked to him. So it's called a derecho, uh, which is weird. It's like the Spanish word for right, but it it um it means it, it's a land hurricane, which is just um yeah. So maybe maybe that's what maybe you just need to get you know need to explain to these people. <laughs> hey, we didn't have a hurricane. We had a derecho. <laughs> Um, no, we, we have, uh, we have low pressures in the Gulf of Alaska and that brings about, uh, um, crazy winds, strong winds. And, uh, okay. and wind. um, we, we did have a, uh, we did have a, a burst water pipe in our data center. Was that in the middle of winter? Yes, it was actually <laughs> the, the room next to our data center is the, uh, is the me- mechanical room for the building. And there was some louvers that were stuck open. And so a, a, uh, a coil froze and then it thawed out. And so that water line broke and ended up flooding, um, flooding our data center to, to some extent. We had a, a couple inches of water on the floor and uh, it, it drained, it drained through the holes into the basement. But uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was a little scary. That's also where our electrical connections go through the floor Oof. into the basement as well. But it was it essentially a non-event, though. It was a non-event. Uh, we did have we did have some backup tape sitting on the counter, and we asked the the maintenance guy who was wearing rubber boots to walk into the water and to grab those backup tapes. <laughs> <laughs> very important. Very important, Paul. Do you had so do you use tapes mainly for your backups? Because I know you mentioned that you had the maintenance guy go in, grab some tapes. I um we currently we use uh we use tapes, de- uh deduplication appliances, uh, offsite storage and uh and then local storage as well. So all so the things. We we want to be secure. We want to be protected. <laughs> and and what do you do? To get, you know, give, especially given that you're an island, what do you do to, you know, separate 
a copy of the backups from the thing that you're protecting? We have we have a uh, a safe in our data center. And we also have mm-hmm. a safe across the street in a uh, in another building. So we take our we take our tapes off site, which may be uh, 200, 250 feet away. You walk them across right. the street. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's good. I mean, is there, is there any concern, you know, have you had discussions of, you know, if there was something like a flood or anything like that, is there any concern that, you know, that you have things too close together there? Um, a small tactical nuke could, uh, could take, take (laughs) out my, my disaster recovery plans. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that would take out problems. Yeah. The whole, the whole (laughs) Island, I think. That's right. Um, Really, uh, you know, my backups are are for for the use cases that I have. Um, if if our data center were to die, um, if the building were to collapse in an earthquake, you know, I would be looking for additional hardware to restore onto. Mm-hmm. Um, my backups are really uh, primarily used for accidentally deleted files, ransomware. Um, and, and any localized, you know, localized disasters. Um, we have talked about doing cloud-based backups, and we do have ban- more bandwidth available to do cloud-based backups. But uh, bandwidth is expensive, as we talked about living on an island. And until recently, it's been rather restricted. So right. to do cloud-based backups would also mean looking at cloud-based recovery. And right. That you wouldn't we be able to bring it back. Made, in case we have not yeah. made that decision yet. Right. Well, I guess I, I guess, and I wasn't even necessarily going to there. Although you know, I do work for a cloud company, and obviously, that's <laughs> that's our solution for everything. <laughs> Having said that, uh, I was just thinking about I don't know an occasional copy of tapes being FedEx to Anchorage Lynch. or something. You know, even if it's infrequent, just just to have a copy that's a little farther away than a few hundred feet or having, or having like a building on the mainland. That's still part of the borough that you just shipped the tape. (laughs) And and we have, we have talked about, uh, talked about some of those solutions. We've also looked at, uh, you know, moving tapes to iron mountain. Um, a lot, but a lot of it depends on, as you asked earlier, what are the things that we, what are the, what are the hazards and, and how are we restoring from those hazards? Right. Right. So let's talk about, um, you know, you, you, you gave us a couple of stories in your email when you wrote me. Um, I, I really like this first one that, that <laughs> intentionally destroying my complete environment. That is uh, one word comes to mind and not everybody can say this word, but the word is chutzpah. <laughs> uh, guts, my friend, intensely destroying your complete environment to test your backup tapes or to test your backup system. Um, you really got to tell us about that. So, so well, first off, what what possessed you to to do that? I I had a purpose. I I, I honestly had a purpose, and uh, and yeah, when you put it like that, it, it sounds like. Um, so, it sounds like I was missing a few IQ points on that test. Hindsight <laughs> is twenty twenty, and, and and to survive it is uh, is is really where the uh, 
where the beauty is. So this was this was post. Um, this was about 2001, and mm-hmm. we had we had invested in our infrastructure. We had moved away from uh, you know PCs as servers and custom built things, and we were moving into more industrial acquired servers. And we had purchased through uh, through two fiscal years, we had purchased five compact ML370 servers. But because we purchased them through two fiscal years, we had three, we had had some that had 9.1 gigabyte (laughs) drives and some that had 18.2 gigabyte drives, but they were all configured to be about 45 gigabytes of RAID 5 storage. And so we were trying to be 100% by the book. We installed these five servers we had two domain controllers, an email server, a file server, and an application server. Just yeah. completed my MCSE training, and so we were doing this as a standard rollout as much as possible. After about a year, the usage on disk was very asymmetrical. Our domain controllers didn't use very much space. Our email server didn't use very much space in the early 2000s. Our file server was rapidly growing and we were adding applications to our application server. So the 45 gigabytes was filling up in an asymmetrical fashion. And I started looking at the disks. We had 9.1 gig drives and 18.2 gig drives. And I said, well, if I just move some of these disks around and I take four of the 9.1 gig drives and build a RAID array in the first three servers, and then I move the 18.2 gig drives to the last two servers, I will have matched my storage with my workload. Mm. So I ran a full backup on Friday night and I so came you in Saturday morning. So, Sorry? so you weren't just you weren't just testing backups. You had a, a, a purpose. an alternate, like you had an extra purpose besides just testing your I, I was trying to match my my disk space in my servers to the usage of the of the demand on these servers. Gotcha. I, I just want I, I pulled up the stats by the way on a on a uh, compact uh, ML three seventy, and uh, that comes with a maximum of four gigabytes of RAM, a Pentium three one gigahertz processor, and and here's the best part an integrated dual channel wide ultra two SCSI adapter. Mm, nice. <laughs> Back in the day. <laughs> so, so basically you, that's what you mean by just basically by pulling drives apart, you destroyed any raid that was going on and you required uh, these raid arrays to be completely rebuilt, which would zero everything out. And then, and then you do the restore. Correct. Uh, and now you you mentioned two RAID arrays, right? Well, every every one of these servers had its own RAID array. I had okay. two different size drives, so I, right. I moved the drives around because each system had a mix of the drive types. Well, um, as I bought them, I, I had two servers that were full of the nine point one mm-hmm. gigabyte drives, and and each server held six drives. Yeah, and then I had bought three servers that had the 18.2 gotcha. 
gigabyte drives. And I only had uh, four four of those drives in in those three gotcha. each of those three servers. So yeah, so basically, you, you in one move, well, a series of small moves, wiped out the storage arrays on five servers. Is that yes? Yes. <laughs> oh boy! And everyone was okay with this. I had planned on doing it. I, I explained what I was going to do, and we trusted our backup tapes. <laughs> and the, by the way, the tapes did fine. They just everything everything was restored over a weekend, and it only took me five days. <laughs> over a weekend and five days. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> So what? So what was that like? Uh, come Monday morning, and you had moved into the data center. Uh, I'm so, assuming is that what happened? By the way, so I I slept in my <laughs> office Sunday night because the amount of time it took to rebuild the RAID arrays, to initialize them, and then to start restoring data, which I didn't realize that it was going to take longer to restore data than it was to back it up. Which was ah. Which was now why is that? Learning. Why is that, Paul? Do you know why it takes longer to? I have not listened to your podcast long enough to to answer that question. Oh, that it, by the way, massive (laughs) suck up response. I love it. (laughs) I don't think we've covered this this particular topic. So that's why I want to bring it up. I'm guessing based on some numbers that you've thrown out that this was parity based raid. Yes. Right. This was a raid five, probably five. Okay. Five. That's the answer to the question. Prasanna, why does it take longer to write? Because it has to compute the parity across yes. everything. Yes. Um, there's also there's also another potential, depending on the backup product that you're using, are you doing any kind of multiplexing when you're, do, when you're doing backups? I wasn't um, at that point. Okay. Well, because that would have made it worse <laughs> if, you, if you were, and, and so let's just talk about that for a minute. So the multiplexing is evil. Uh, it's a necessary evil. I, I always felt like if, if you're going to tape as tape got faster and faster, you, you, you know, backup speeds that were a few megabytes per second were completely un, incapable of making an LTO tape drive happy, even older LTOs, let alone modern LTOs. And so a lot of backup vendors came out with multiplexing where they take a bunch of little streams and they interleave them block by block onto a tape, which solves the backup problem. But then when you go to restore, you have to read all of that data and throw away most of it. So it makes a really crappy restore speed. But in your case, I, yeah. As long as you never have to restore, it's fine. As long as, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but in your case, I think what you had was the raid, the the parity write penalty. And so, how long did you think it was going to take? My backups were usually done by by midday Saturday. So, um, why should it take longer than uh, the, than the period of backing up to to restore it all? I I did get four servers up and running by Monday morning. I had to sleep in my office mm-hmm. Sunday night, so I was here to change tapes in the middle of the restore to get the file server running. And then the application server, which had its own complexities um, from running multiple applications and trying to get a a good backup of live applications, uh, took an additional three days 
to to get up and running. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you were able to get everything up and running, but it looks like minus the application server, everything was good to go by Monday. So you're crit- you you prioritized critical applications, applications that would get you yelled at, basically. Email, file server, logins. Those were yeah, yeah. yeah those, those all <laughs> sound really important. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, what, what's the equivalent of CEO there? Uh, uh, the borough manager. The borough manager's laptop, if that was part of this, <laughs> that would that would go. Um, yeah. So, do you remember how many tapes? Like you said, you were swapping out tapes. Do you remember, like, because I can imagine if you're sleeping in your office at like probably like three in the morning, a tape probably finishes restoring. You're like, damn it, I gotta wake up now. <laughs> I I only had two tapes. Okay, two tapes backed up my entire environment. Um, I was running the Exabyte M2 tape drive. So this was the Mammoth drives. So yes. so Exabyte had Mammoth. Sony had AIT. So this was the next generation of eight millimeter drives because the because my the first tapes I cut my teeth on were Exabyte eighty two hundreds, which were the you know the they were like I don't know uh, one gigabyte or something on those those drives. But the Mammoth was their attempt at large, and so they had sixty gigabytes native, one hundred twenty gigabytes compressed is what the 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 advertised capacity was. By the way, Exabyte. Best company name ever, right? But yeah. that company is no more, right? The company <laughs> that made those drives is uh, is no more. And 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 back when Exabyte was named Exabyte, we were all like, we're never going to have an Exabyte. <laughs> now we're, you know, now it's it's crazy. But yeah, so this was old school. This was a um, a cassette helical scan tape. We talked we talked about helical scan a week or so. Actually, you you haven't heard it. Well. The listeners may have heard it by this point, but you haven't heard it because we haven't broadcast it yet, Paul. Not the fastest tape drives in the world. So you were able, I guess, after five days, get all the data back, get the applications and everything else up and running, and you still had your job. <laughs> I'm, st- I'm still here. 20, 28 years plus later, I'm still here, yes. It, and, and, and again, for, for those who are listening who say, well, gee... The tapes held a maximum of 120 gigabytes with compression. You know, if the tapes held a maximum of 120 gigabytes, so that's a maximum of 250 gigabytes you had to restore. What's the big freaking deal? Well, the big freaking deal was that that was a ton of data back then, right? That was a really big, let's see, the the transfer rate, I'm showing it 12, if I did my math right, 12 megabytes per second, which sounds about right given the the generation and time frame. So yeah, so it's only 120 gigabytes, but the advertised thing was 43 gigabytes per hour, but clearly you weren't getting that. That that was the problem. You were not getting the advertised transfer rate because of the write penalty that you were experiencing when you were doing the restore. So what what uh so so we've already covered it. You you made it through, everything restored. Clearly, you didn't meet the the objective, <laughs> you know, the, <clears throat> the initial time objective, but you got everything back and you got the critical things back by Monday morning. And so I, I'm guessing that you didn't like 
there wasn't a was there one of those giant postmortem sessions? You know, I I don't think it was till uh, till maybe a, a week or two down the road that I realized how incredibly stupid that was. <laughs> <laughs> so you so you you then had a postmortem with yourself, is what you're saying? I did, I did. You, everybody was happy. I, I mean, right back back in that day. Uh, you know, probably uh, a, a month or two later, I had talked to somebody about about Storage Area Networks, and and they had given me a quote for, oh, you want to you want to add storage to your servers with a Storage Area Network? That'll only be thirty thousand dollars in 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 two thousand one. Right. And uh, you know, I I felt rather accomplished. Yeah. I I had done what I intended to do. You know, granted, it was a, a sleepless night on the floor of my office. But so you're saying that because you reorganized this data, or the, or the storage, and you reallocated the storage more efficiently, you didn't need the $30,000 SAN. Is that what you're saying? Correct. So I had achieved the objective that I was after, and I saved my organization money in my mind. <laughs> Did you tweak or change any of your backup or store plans based on this experience? I think I changed my expectations <laughs> on my restore plan because it all restored but but at the same time it, it was the knowledge that when you're backing up live applications that are running that that's a difficult that's a difficult thing and so now I see you know um in, in virtual environments where where things are, um, and I'm missing the right word for it, but where things are flushed and quiesced, um, brought to rest. Yeah. yeah. So so you recognize? I mean, you you saw when you began telling me this story. You know, when you started telling us this story, the the uh, the idea of essentially completely deleting your entire data center, and then using your backups really for the first time, uh, I was a bit flabbergasted, but you, you, I was young, I was young. You were agreeing with me that this was a really bad thing to do. It sounds like Paul's gotten wiser with the longer beard and <laughs> since those days. Yeah. By the way, for, for the, for the listeners here, I, 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 I do think it's appropriate to mention. So, you know, we record this as audio, but I'm looking at a camera, version of of you know my co-host and my guest here and i'm the only one who doesn't have this long flowing beard persona still has his yeard uh, how long how long it's now i think now? like 19 months 19 months without shaving so he's got this long uh much blacker beard than uh paul but paul has the length Paul, ha Paul, I'll just say this. Paul looks like he's from Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> he, he looks exactly like what I would expect from someone from Alaska. He has a red knit cap on and this long, you know, beard, although quite a bit grayer than persona. And <laughs> yes. it, it may have been this event, Paul, <laughs> that put that. <laughs> you're like, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, I did this to myself. I have no one to blame <laughs> but myself. I'm sure you said that many times during that event. So what so going back, what so your goal was laudable 
and your eventual results were successful, what would you have done differently to accomplish the same goal, but without perhaps the amount of pain that you had? I would I would have had a safety line uh, or, or some sort of, sort of safety rope. Um, I think that uh, you know if I had a, a a spare server or a surplus server that I could have migrated each one of my servers over one at a time and with planned outages. So I wasn't destroying everything. I had no <laughs> I had no capacity no no rate arrays right left right after you, yeah. pulling drives out you know there were no servers that were functioning until i started restoring restoring my domain controller from that very first server i, I mean I, I had a a, a textbook windows 2000 environment with two domain controllers both of those were offline my email server was offline. My file server was offline. My application server was offline. Everything was offline until I started restoring. Nowadays, wow. I would I would just start in with one server and 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 work through it methodically. With I just wonder, board. I wonder the degree to which that would have been possible. Given you know, I don't have the I don't have a whiteboard. I don't know how much you because you were moving drives around and reallocating resources. I don't know the degree to which that would have been possible. It would have cost some money, but in, in hindsight, I mean, how bad could I have screwed up? I mean, if, if my, if, if I, I had don't think it could have been any worse. I, I mean, if I had accidentally dropped my tapes or uh, ran them across a, a, a magnet uh, between point A and point B and lost my backups, I, I, it would have been a bet. I'm so far beyond it that I don't. I, I don't think about these things. <laughs> well, the, but now learned. you're here and you're talking to us, and so we're asking you to relive that horrible day. Yeah. So I, I, I think if you know, looking back on it, th this is, and again, you know, love you, Paul. Uh, thanks so much for coming on and being, <laughs> being uh, open. A at the same time, I'm going to yell at you a little bit. Um, to me, your core, your core failure was failure to not test at least one restore prior to doing this, right? Um, it, it, because you blew up your entire environment without any idea of what restoring even one server was going to be like. If, even if you had just blown up one server and restored it, because your problem, everything worked, everything worked. Your only problem was a failure to set proper expectations, yeah. even within yourself. And that was because yeah. you'd never actually done a large restore with your backups. By the way, you are not alone. Persona, is he alone? Not at all. <laughs> and, and, and I will also say that I have been in this situation before. I'll, I'll tell you a similar story. A hundred years ago, when I bought a, my first commercial backup program, the, pro, the, pro, the, the product was called SMARC. Uh, for archive, even though which now offends me because it wasn't back, it wasn't archive, it was backup. But anyway, SMARC, which was a Minneapolis company, they're they're no longer software moguls is the name of the company. And I had bought this as my first commercial backup tool. And we had had it for a couple of months, but I was still running my dumps to my old tapes in the meantime. Right. And then we had this our first large 
outage. We lost the disk drives on <clears throat> our primary file server, HPFSO1. I still remember the server name, and that was 25 years ago. <laughs> and I, I was so excited. I grabbed my SMR tapes and my dump tapes, put them in my back pocket. And I ran, I remember, because it, it was a couple miles down the road where the, where the other data center was. And I remember running down there, throwing in the tape drive. And I remember kicking off the restore. And what I remember was this, was blink, blink, long period, blink, blink, <laughs> long period. And, and what I did was I created a while loop and I was watching the, 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 the size of the file system not grow. <laughs> okay. Oh. At least not, not by a speed that was going to finish anytime that millennium. And so I called the, the tech support and I was like, Hey, uh, you know, what, what's going on? And they go, well, by any chance, did you turn on the compression feature? Yes, I did. It was a software compression feature, which, which the way it worked was, this is old school. It would, it would run a compress minus, uh, C. I think would be uh, to, to compress the file to send an input and then redirect it to a file in temp and then back up that compressed file. During a restore, it would com restore the compressed file into temp, then run uncompress on the file at in that location and then move the file from temp, the uncompressed version of the file from temp. There's a lot, you know, anyway, long story short, it was never going to finish in any sort of reasonable time. And thank God I still had my other tapes, but this was all because I did the same thing you did. And that was, I had never tested a large restore. Yes. And, um, you know, in your case, thank God you had, mm. you had enough time. Thank God you were able to be able to restore the critical servers in time so that, you know, nobody's pulling their hair outs and your, your burrow could continue to do its function. In my case, uh, thank God I had the other tapes mm -hmm. in my back pocket because I just pulled them out and just typed, you know, UFS restore, <laughs> you know, I was going to say that, um, one thing for testing, right. I know Paul, you mentioned that you had two domain controllers, right? I think potentially you could have taken down one of the domain controllers and sort of done a restore of that domain controller to test it out while still keeping the entire environment up and running, and then made sure, and you probably would have noticed, hey, my backups are slow, or my restores are slow. So he shouldn't test it on his most important, most critical server? <laughs> there are so many things that could, could have, have been, been done. Could have, should have, would have. It's okay. We all learn. We all learn from these that's, lessons, honestly. That's why you're here. Yeah. You, and there, have you ever seen, there, there, there's a company called despair.com. Have you seen this company? I have not. So th th they make <gasps> they make awesome. demotivation posters, and <laughs> okay. uh, one of them one of them is a picture of a sinking ship. They look like motivational posters, but they're demotivational posters. And one of them is a picture of a sinking ship, and it says, I think it says mistakes, and then it said it could be that the purpose of your life is to serve as a warning to others. <laughs> I would much rather people listen to this and run. <laughs> From, from yeah. my from my decisions than to than to think that I had good decisions. But one of the funny things, so Curtis, is in your book. I remember you telling me the story, right? That when you're mm -hmm. writing the book, right, and you're sending it out for all the reviewers, right? 
someone came back to you and was like, hey, Curtis, you forgot to put a chapter about testing backups. Yeah, I completely <laughs> left testing out of my book. And thanks to Stuart. God, it's like it's like the fourth time that Stuart gets credit <laughs> on the podcast. You were right, Stuart. <laughs> Guy. His name's Stuart Little. Like, <laughs> come on. He's a mouse. I love you, Stuart. Anyway. All right. Well, Paul, I I again want to applaud you for coming on, for being so honest about what was clearly <laughs> clearly a very large mistake that you made it out alive you accomplished your goal right it, it's not like i mean it, it, this could have been much worse right it, it could have been i intentionally destroyed my entire environment and then i found out my backups don't work <laughs> it could have been that, that it could have been. it wasn't that thank god you it wasn't that but thank you like just th- this is I mean, this may be the best story we've had on, you know, on the podcast. We've had some other people that have had bad things happen to them. This is the first time where it was, you know, self-inflicted. <laughs> user created. Normally we're bra- blaming the end user. We don't blame yeah. ourselves. Yeah. This is a classic PEBCAC situation. Are you familiar yeah. with that acronym? Absolutely. A problem exists between keyboard and chair for those that don't. Uh, and then the entire environment became FUBAR, which is uh, Look that up. fouled yeah. up beyond <laughs> yeah. all recognition. Yeah. So wouldn't you agree, Persona? This is like, yeah, this, this has is, been great. This has been an awesome story. And it's something that I don't think end users realize what goes on. Like, I know sometimes we blame end users for, oh, you did this, you did that. But everyone's human. Things happen. So don't get frustrated at your IT people. Absolutely. By the way, and, and I, I say this every once in a while, you know, there's only two industries where they refer to their customers as users. IT and drug dealers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a thing. Anyway, so, uh, th- yeah, and you know what? If you're out there and you have a story like this, We'd love to have you come on and tell it. We'll even let you be anonymous. If you're embarrassed about what happened, you know, we'll give you a synonym. Uh, you know, we, we did some Harry Potter characters yep. for a while. We'll pick, you know, pick your favorite book and, uh, you know, whatever. We'll make you a, we'll make you one of the Eternals from the movie that just came out and whatever, you know, whatever you want to be. If you just, we just love great stories mm-hmm. because we learn from it, right? That's the key. Mistakes happen. Um, you know, we learn. So thanks uh, to, thanks, Paul, so much for coming on. Thank you. And thanks, Brasana, for uh, your insight into this as well. Anytime, Curtis. And thanks, Paul. And uh, thanks to the listeners. And remember to subscribe so that you can restore it all. isn't worth a spit finally i needed your backup you had a chance to fix it instead it's all jacked up see how i'll write on facebook about you don't underestimate the things that i will do there was a file but i deleted it too bad your backup system isn't worth a spit 
It'll be completely done. Maybe. 